Breaking cycles. Breaking cycles. Take three. Take three. Our first official episode, second recording, Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and your hosts, me, Nathaniel, and the lovely Bianca. That me. Pew pew. I was. uh, I don't remember who I was with, but. Oh, I think it was Rebecca and Olivia, and we were talking about what if instead of like shaking hands in society, we did the we did guns, like different guns to. It'd be so fun. It'd be so fun, and with the way things are going, I've been reading how we should never shake hands again because of coronavirus. It just doesn't. Whoa! Again, like ever? Yeah. Oh, I'm really proud of my handshake. I'm gonna have to work on my finger guns. Because right well, now they look uh, like this. You do the shoulder, the, the, I the do the shoulder, shoulder thing. <laughs> um, okay, so welcome to Breaking Cycle, and uh, and a podcast about emotional awareness. And today, yeah. coincidentally, we'll be talking about emotional intelligence, hey. which will lay the groundwork for everything that we talk about on this show, essentially. Cool. What are you drinking about? today? Oh, what are you drinking? Brought to you by, uh, I'll bring it to you by Bone Up, which is a friend's brewery. So that's why I know we won't get in trouble. So eventually oh. we'll be able to say whatever brewery we want. But I'll say it's brought to you by Bone Up. Um, I am drinking a rosé. It's actually, I'm sure we can say names, right? So Frank Coppola. Let's see why not. Has wine. Hey. Oh, oh, I almost asked you, have you ever had it? Let Wait, isn't it Francis Coppola? Francis Coppola, yeah. Oh, okay. The same one that, that Jesse works for. The one that yeah. you went to the, the holiday party for. <laughs> that I accidentally asked you, hey, have you ever had Frank Coppola wine? Of course you did. <laughs> we were at the holiday party. Wait, I'm drinking the wine that we bought at Medlock Ames that weekend on our way home. Oh, good idea. I made here. myself parsick driving home. um oh yeah that lady that is from she was from naperville wasn't she katie that's right i have her number uh that's right i almost hung out with her but she was just asking me to like get cocaine for her and i was like no i'm not (laughs) gonna just hang out with you so you get coke from me (laughs) you're gonna have to bleep her name out of this (laughs) (laughs) well you we could also just say that wasn't her real name (laughs) There's no last name, hey, so we Caitlin. just say the name of the winery. <laughs> mm. Anyway, all right, so um, emotional intelligence, what is it and why is it important? I did a lot of research. I did too. I was up pretty late last night. Oh, so you did real research. I didn't do real research. I just did a lot of research. <laughs> <laughs> what? A lot of worthless stuff. I will say, though, I did take an emotional awareness test, and I... Wait, was it the psychologytoday.com one? Yes, it was. I took that one! My (laughs) results are on our Google Drive. Hold on, mine's not recording. Oh, please tell me this. Oh, fuck. I don't know when it stopped, but... 
but it's okay. We have Zoom audio too. Cool. So cool, let's cool, just cool, cool, cool. keep this shit rolling. We'll mash them up. Um, yeah, I'll figure okay. out where this goes. Um, so wait, did you pay the eleven dollars for the? Uh, no. It I was did. nine ninety five. I almost did, and then I was like, "No, I'm not going to read all that." Because one time was, I did a different test for work. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a really popular one, especially in like the tech industry. And um, the results were like 24 pages or something. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to read all of this. I already hate myself. I don't need to read more about who I am. <laughs> I already know I'm going to continue to hate myself after I read this. So like, let's just keep it moving. Um, this one was only like four pages and i really liked it and i paid the extra dollar for the pdf version for some reason but that's where that 11 bucks came from <laughs> uh so yeah we can talk about that later okay we um, the same test. i'm so excited i was gonna send it to you and then i was like oh it's like 11 o'clock over here he's not gonna want to do this in the morning and like look at us Always in sync. Always on the same page. Um, mm. <clears throat> okay, so, oh, yes, hold on. Before we get into emotional intelligence, we have to reiterate what I went over before our technical difficulties during take one. But gypsies, the gypsy people. Yes. People, people known as Roma people who are not Romanian. They do not come from Romania. All right, so I read a few things about how gypsy culture has been essentially, what is that called when you appropriated? So it's been appropriated and it's also been used to prop up like different and very pejorative uh, stereotypes of Roma people. So some Roma people don't like being called gypsies because of the negative connotations that it's had, but there's not a lot of consensus on that. So I issue less of an apology and more of a, I'm ignorant of the situation and did use it jokingly. And I meant no disrespect to people of Roma descent. And if you dislike being called a gypsy for all the reasons that I can see why someone would dislike being called gypsy, I completely understand. And I am for the fight. There's actually a lot of things going on with Roma people right now and not having land and having stuff taken away from them in this really weird, really conservative world that we're breeding right now. So. I urge anyone who doesn't know anything about gypsies and Roma people to look up what is going on with the Roma culture. That's it. That is my- Interesting. Um, what did we call this section? The thank yous for tolerating us. Uh, <laughs> I don't, we don't really have a name for this section. We don't have a name yet. Um, we'll come so up with for, a good name. <laughs> For those of you who probably, most people listening probably won't hear our first recording, that was kind of a special for people that have kind of helped us launch. But um, Nathan brought up gypsies in a joking way or joking manner. And then we kind of realized maybe we shouldn't have 
Um, and then so we made it a point to, uh, Nathan made it a point to do some research and come back and make a like statement about it, um, which we'll probably do forever because we're human beings and we're gonna make mistakes. So um, at the beginning of every episode, we will address any um, missteps or um, offensive content that we may have put out unintentionally. Not, not all offensive, because I'm going to say so many offensive things. So that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, yeah. <laughs> Within yeah. reason, because we're still offensive people at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But okay, cool. Thank you for that. And I will have to do some of my own um, looking into that as well. And you did send me some articles. I just haven't taken the time to read them yet. Um, That's fine. You also didn't say the offensive thing. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the one that was like, uh let's let's look into this <laughs> um all right, cool. all right so back to emotional intelligence and what is it so by um definition uh via dictionary.com because we get our fact from the internet in 2020 uh skill in perceiving understanding and managing emotions and feelings um oh, why go ahead I'm, I just want to use uh, a more clinical definition for, because mm -hmm. we will have clinical minded folks listening as well. And the one that I got was mostly was from research done by David Goldman, who actually wrote a book about this back in the 90s. But it's, what is it? I forgot what the book is called. I'll get back to you on that. But his like in his uh, in his abstract, he wrote, emotional intelligence is the ability to monitor our own and others' emotions, discriminate among them, and then use them to guide our thinking and our actions. I think that's a really good Ooh. definition for what we'll be doing because everything that we'll be talking about from here on forward in our podcast period, future coming episodes, will have to do with uh, how we monitor our own emotions, how we measure them, how we interact with others' emotions, uh, and how we use all of that information to like go about our day in a healthy manner. Nice. I like that. I really like the discriminating part of that. Um, I think yeah. that's really important. It's super so do important. You, do you consider yourself to be emotionally intelligent pre the Psychology Today quiz? Because <laughs> so I had because I, I had a perception of myself prior to, and then I took the quiz, and I was like, "Ouch!" Like if that's my score, I wonder what other people's score is or scores are. Because I was like, I feel like I'm pretty emotionally intelligent, and if I feel that way, and my quiz scored me pretty shitty, not pretty shitty, but like like a B minus a C. <laughs> Then, like, the people that are in my life are, like, failing hard. Um, so, so that's why I paid for it, right? Because I saw my score. And I was like, no, fuck you. My score has to be higher. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to know why my score was as low as it was. I don't know that it. So my score was a 79. And I think I. So for the emotional identification part or for the emotional management scale? The overall score was 79. Okay, I scored but 69. We, so. <laughs> <We can. laughs> 
Which is not surprising. I feel like you're way more emotionally aware than I am. So like, that's fair. Hold on. You started with, I gotta be C minus. C. <laughs> Clearly I'm not emotionally aware at all. <laughs> so that's, so that's a trick though. So that's not, Strike so that's one. I paid, I paid for the, um, I paid for it. And then I looked at all like the breakdown. And so there's parts where I'm super good and parts that I, I suck. Poor, I'm very bad at, but like there's, there's one category that I'm a hundred percent in. So that's probably, that probably like brings the bar up a little bit. Should've, I, I should have downloaded it then. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. Build my confidence pay, pay, a little. Yes. Pay the $10. Cause it'll tell you, cause like, <laughs> I was looking at it and I was like, oh wow, I'm, really bad like there's there's one of the scores that I have like a 49 (laughs) percent I'm so bad so we'll talk let's talk about I'll talk about my breakdown later on but before before the the test yes I would say that I thought I and I still think I am um relatively emotionally aware uh, emotionally intelligent I'm super aware according to this thing but I'm not good at like (laughs) doing things about it (laughs) um so I would say I thought I was yes and I and after it I still think I am what about you I definitely thought I was um and then while I was taking I still think I am but like while I was taking the test there were um for those of you listening there were some questions where it's like if Nathan was in this um situation with this person how um, should he respond? And then I would pick obviously like the best result or the best um, solution to the problem. And then it was like, if you were in Nathan's position, how would you <laughs> respond? And I was like, ooh, not nearly as good as Nathan should respond. <laughs> and that's where I realized like, I'm really good at like being, I, and I probably have similar results to you on the back end too of like, I'm aware but it doesn't mean like I'm going to put in the effort or always make the best choice. <laughs> but it was so, I got like one question like that and I was like, fuck, if I get a whole lineup of questions like this, like <laughs> this is going to be bad. And then I'm like, next, and I get to the next set of questions and I'm like, yep, still not responding the way I should. <laughs> so I think that um, before I definitely thought I was emotionally aware Um, obviously with like room to grow, there's always room to grow. Uh, and then while I was taking it, I was like, Ooh, these are the places I need to grow in. And then afterward I was like, Oh, all right. Okay. (laughs) I have a lot of room to grow. I think, uh, that's good though. Knowing where we can grow is the best part. Cause if we were good at everything, what would be the point in life at all? be nothing to work yeah. at um so how do you how do you feel about that are you do you feel like when you got it oh you haven't looked at the details but when I looked at the details I was like yep yeah, that sounds about right That's exactly I have like got it. yeah I have like a snippet of details um but not the four pages that you have got you um what would you say your biggest struggle with emotional awareness is or emotional intelligence is well i don't have to say anymore i can just look (laughs) you're like i have a fucking cheat sheet now (laughs) exactly eleven dollars well worth it um you just made me angry let me take a look at my notes before i respond 
<laughs> oh my god i have a 24 in impulse control just so everyone knows this is out of 100. <laughs> i have a 24 in impulse control fucking terrible yeah but you um you said that on our first recording that you have you struggle with impulse yep i did so mm. so so funny the test is working because because on this, I have, hold on, awareness. There's a section of awareness, like my emotional understand. Emotional understanding, 90%. <laughs> so yes, I know that I have impulse control issues. So I'm really good at knowing. And I think that's what I was talking about. I'm really good at finding the shit, but the parts that I'm really bad at, I'm just bad at doing anything about it. Maybe this is why I love you so much, because you're a lot like beef in that sense. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Beef is, that's my dog. <laughs> also has zero impulse control. Sometimes he's really good. He's probably about a 24, just like you. Sometimes he's really good. And other times he's like, I know I shouldn't do this. I know my mom's going to whoop my ass after this, but I'm going to fucking roll in shit. <laughs> I, I just have the urge like to me. roll in some poop right now. I know I'm, I know this. I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm gonna roll in this shit right now. I'm roll with it. <laughs> and I'm gonna enjoy every last bit of it. Oh man! Um, um, so I so impulse control is one of my worst. Twenty four. I have a couple forties. Emotional reflection and ooh. problem solving, which I don't know. That one makes sense. I would, I, um, if I had to guess, my emotional reflection is probably really low. Because I, again, back to my biggest problem in life, compartmentalizing. Compartmentalizing, yay. <laughs> my therapist said that I need to be more compassionate with myself and address my emotions. Because I'm just like, ooh, that's a feeling. I'm going to ignore that and go eat something or like walk the dog <laughs> anything to yeah. not think about it or address it I think that's important to bring up because a lot of people end up going to get help or just trying to do things on their own and what they've been told is oh just throw yourself into your hobbies and that's a terrible idea so hobbies are great to do to boost confidence, but they're terrible to use to avoid pain. And, and one of the things I've noticed is that, so some people, so I'm saying what other people do, right? People uh, jump into their hobbies to avoid their pain. One of my things, so one of my things that I'm bad at is positive coping mechanisms. And I use horrible coping mechanisms. And one of my coping mechanisms is to run away just to go to something new find something new and like so me moving all the time is a coping mechanism so once things get hard or uh and hard is is a relative term because moving somewhere new and starting over is really hard to, to a lot of people but it's something that is easier to me than dealing with uh other emotional stuff clearly so my impulse yeah. control is to run away and start a new life, and I run away from my emotional pain. So uh, we have that in common. Glad <laughs> we both moved a million times. Um, no, that's me too. Anytime I'm like unhappy, or I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for a new job. 
I'm going to, I'm going to look for a new job in Colorado. I'm going to look, and I'm like, what, what the, I don't, well, I know like three people in Colorado, but that's what I did when I moved to Sacramento. I knew like three people when I moved here and I didn't, I knew them well enough, but I did, they weren't like good enough friends to be a support system. I was just like, fuck it. I'm out. And I literally got in the car. I maybe had like, I don't know, $60 in the bank. And I packed all of my shit in my car and just like fucking got on the road and was out. And then my brother called me when I was on my, this is not funny, but it's also kind of funny. Cause mind you, I only had like $60 in the bank. I got in the car and I'm like, oh, I don't know, like an hour and a half into the drive. So I'm like halfway here. And my brother's like, calls and tells me my grandma died. And I'm like, well, can't afford to turn around. So I just kept going. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm already committed. Like I have no choice right now, but to like take the $60 and move to Sacramento or like come home and tell everybody that I couldn't afford to move because my grandma died. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? That, it's, um, so there was something else in here that made me realize, so, I don't know if it asked me directly if I was stubborn or not, but because there's moments where I'm like, this might not be the greatest decision. Like maybe I shouldn't move to Chicago when I'm in the middle of a road trip all the way to Boston. And there's those moments that, that I have that I could have really thought about it and be like, no, this isn't the right decision. But did it because of my stubbornness. And I'm like, oh, I made this decision. I'm not gonna let anyone tell me no, including myself, even though it might not be the greatest decision. <laughs> oh yeah, I moved here with no job. So like right there with you. Like I literally just got in the car with $60, my resume and like, that's it. Thankfully I didn't yeah, have yeah. beef then. <laughs> it would have been real bad. Um. So I have, uh, this is like a question that I thought of while doing my research yesterday was, what do you think, what is your like knee-jerk reaction or knee-jerk thought when someone um, says that they're an emotional person or, or, or they're describing a friend and they're like, oh yeah, that person's super, like they're really emotional. Like, what do you think when you hear that? I think uh, most people don't understand what it means to be emotional or sensitive. I think we hear that a lot. Oh, that person's sensitive. And people who are told they're sensitive think they're being sensitive. And I think when we're saying those things, we're actually saying, uh, oh, that person doesn't have control of their emotions or doesn't have control of their sensitivities, which is different, right? Because I, I think... And not only think, but have the proof of this $12 test, 11, it's going to get more and more expensive <laughs> as I, as I use it to, to vouch for what On I On episode five, as you're going to be like this $50 test. <laughs> as I'm right. The value um, just keeps going up. As I, as, as right, the more right it tells me that I am, the more expensive it costs to get those answers. So no, um, but what what I've what I've learned first off about myself is that I am a sensitive person, not in the sense that oh I get hurt by things easily, but I can feel things easily and I can sense things easily. Uh, more 
more easily than others or easier than than most and that is not what we have an idea of what it means to be sensitive or emotional what what when people say someone's emotional they mostly mean overly dramatic and uh like i said earlier not not in control of their emotions yeah that's um that's pretty much that i i feel like i used to when someone would be like oh this person's really emotional i'd be like ooh steer clear that person for those same reasons like they have no control over their emotions which means they're probably very reactive instead of being responsive um and are probably not emotionally aware of themselves mm -hmm. um but now i i have um and i i want to call you out on on using sensitive and emotional together because i that's like again the knee-jerk reaction is to think when someone's emotional they're sensitive but now i've come to realize that sensitivity doesn't necessarily mean you're emotional i feel like if you're emotional you just you really um are in tune with your own emotions as well as others so you're probably very empathetic um but are yeah, you saying I, what emotional should mean or what we think when others say emotional because i agree with you on that well i did but i did both i started with like what i used to think and what most people generally <laughs> think with and now what i think after like the growth that i've been working on um but yeah essentially that's how i feel about that um but i feel like i would be offended if someone described me as emotional because like we said that's most people's like knee-jerk reaction is that we're not we don't have any control over our emotions if you're an emotional person so if somebody that is not emotionally aware or isn't um actively working towards those things if they describe me as emotional i'd probably be offended because in their head they probably think i'm sensitive and don't have control over my emotions does that make sense so so do you think wait what do you think people mean when they say sensitive um that you're overly like that i have to like walk on eggshells around that person so that i don't them. yeah or so hurt their feelings that, or like i think that those are two they're very different so what i was saying is so in actuality those two are very different mm -hmm. but in common use they're the same and in common yes. use they're both wrong so so that's what we're agreeing on yes we agree that people use them interchangeably and they're wrong both ways yes. and we agree that they both mean two different things and that's what that's what my biggest problem is is that people will call emotional people not people will call people who have no control of their emotions emotional and that's that's a emotional people no oh, god damn this is so hard because Sensitive. there's the real term of emotional and what it should be yeah but this is so difficult to talk about so let's just say emotional for breaking cycles means someone who is aware of their emotions and understands how they affect their lives or their decision making and then there's cultural emotional that just sounds really cool. So cultural emotional are people <laughs> who have no control of their emotions. Yes. And that is the wrong idea of what emotional means. Yes. Cultural emotional is also interchangeable with sensitive. 
And that's also the wrong definition of what sensitive is. Correct. That's what we want our audience to take away from what you and I just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so just like fast forward for through those like first two minutes <laughs> to get here. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think they should listen to it because uh, I think that's something that we all battle, right? Uh, yeah. First off is um, like definitions or why can't I think of the word? Oh, I can't think of words right now, but it's essentially how we use words. Whatever that word is, that means how we're using a word that we argue over semantics. That's what it is. So there right it is. now. <laughs> Even right I was now, like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> semantics is the biggest problem here. And a lot of our semantics are based on like cultural ideas that we've made up and then just said, yeah, that's true. And then ignored what these words actually mean. Yeah. So when we, for future pretenses, when you and I use emotional or sensitive, we're using it in the actual definition throughout this podcast. Yes. That yeah, that's fair. Let's, yes. Because I don't want to have this. I hate, so a lot of times when we're talking to other people, we're arguing about semantics and I'm fucking, that's the big, that's one of the biggest things that, that has, that I've realized is like, oh, I don't care about this argument anymore. Because really what we're yeah. arguing about is that you and I have different definitions and it's just stupid. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. How... How would you say that emotional intelligence or emotional awareness has changed throughout the generations? Because I think personally that our generation, um, specifically like the millennials, which everyone likes to give millennials a hard time, but we are here breaking these general, uh, these cycles, <laughs> breaking these cycles of generational trauma. And addressing generational trauma um, really has a lot to do with being emotionally aware um, and emotionally intelligent because we have to understand what our uh, parents and elders have gone through to understand where they're coming from and why they are the way they are, but also um, take that and make it something better for us and the next generation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So how do, what, how do you feel that it's changed through the generations? So when you, when I first read that question, before we had this discussion, I was thinking. I'm so glad you found this document and like revisited it before our call, by the way, because I was again, going to like text you and I'm like, nope, just leave him alone. He knows he's, he's a grown up. He can do it. <laughs> Stop bothering your friend. Um, but that's fair, right? Because we have we both have friends who are like, hey, did you do this thing that we're supposed to get together to do? Oh no, cool. Uh, and I'm also that friend. I mean, I will I'm going to visit the things that we're supposed to do, but I'm a procrastinate. I'm gonna do it like right before we're supposed to do it. Yeah. What like um, like I said, I was up late last night. So <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> uh, all right, so we? Oh, so the generational thing. So like I said, I saw this earlier and I was thinking about I saw something recently and they were talking about how back in like the 60s, like there's a dude who was raised by a, a, a man who was born in the 20s. So he's being raised in 
the 50s and 60s. So his dad being stoic was just his dad being stoic. That's a normal man. But if you have a stoic millennial, that's called depression. <clears throat> and then, so I was thinking how um, from those three generations, we've looked at emotional intelligence or emotional awareness as kind of building upon itself and, and learning from what we were doing before. But then as you were just talking about generational trauma, I'm thinking of like slave slavery and both slaves being pretty emotionally aware of themselves, like understanding what this situation was doing to them. Sure, there were plenty who, who didn't understand, right? There were plenty like house Negroes, right? Who were, who really thought they were white or really thought they were better. Who yeah. didn't have a, a, like an understanding of their emotional intelligence or emotional, had no emotional awareness or understand why they felt that way. But there's so many who were like, no, this is not who we are. We are, we are stuck in this situation that makes us this way. And thinking about that made me realize that there isn't, there isn't that much of a change. There's just a difference in how much we talk about it right now. So now we, we have the, we have the luxury. <laughs> we are so privileged even as a black man who came from slavery, right? We have the privilege to sit back and be quarantined right now, stuck in houses separately across thousands of miles to sit here over Zoom and then talk about what emotional awareness means and how it's changed generationally. I don't think it's changed much other than the fact that we get to talk about it more. Yeah, I think that's what changes it though. Um, because that changes how we handle it and how we grow from it. Because if we're not talking about it, we're not, we're probably not growing. Um, because how else do you learn than reading or talking to people or um, whatever that may be. So I think that I agree with you 100%, but I also agree that those, that the fact that we're talking about it is what's making it change. So like you said, you were at the beginning of our conversation, or the conversation, you said that somebody in the 20s, or someone was being raised by their parents that were raised in the 20s during the Great Depression. So, and you said, described that individual as stoic, and that now if we're stoic, we're depressed, which I find super interesting because you had to be stoked. They had to be stoked because they were in a depression, like a financial depression and economical depression. And now the depression is internal. Does that make sense? It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like kind of crazy, but it, it all kind of like comes full circle. Like everything around us seems and appears to be okay, but internally we're depressed. And a lot of that is because um, the generations before us had to be stoic and even we ha have had to be stoic in our upbringings, um, a lot of us. And um, with that, if you're not growing, you're going to continue to be in that depression. If you're not talking about it, you're going to continue to be in that depression and you're not going to grow. And so I think talking about it really helps us 
kind of figure out like where all of this stems from and how to get healthier and to get out of that mindset and out of that depression. And it'll help us teach the next generation how to become emotionally aware or emotionally intelligent and to not be in that depression and to be able to battle those things instead of having to be stoic, having to be in survival mode, ha like having no choice because we do have a choice. Ooh, choice. I don't, I don't know if this is going on a tangent, if we have to have like another podcast for, for all of this, <laughs> but I don't believe that we have a choice. In fact, us becoming more emotionally aware, I think. I think emotionally awareness is the choice is what I'm saying. Sure. I, I see what you're saying. And I think us becoming more, so me becoming more emotionally aware makes me realize how little choice we actually have. So yes. sure, I'm becoming more in control of my emotions and how they may affect me. I think that, and I agree that the more we talk about things and the more we learn about something, the better we can be at dealing with that thing. I don't think that's necessarily true though, because if we go further back, so the reason why I was talking about slaves is because the whole book on how to break a human and make them a slave is all emotional awareness like the, the the book that that this white dude wrote for slave owners to to make a good negro is all it's a book about emotional awareness and how to break a human and that is that was written in the 1600s 1700s which means we knew a lot about others emotional state and social states and how to manipulate those things to make them what we want them to be. So wouldn't you say the person that wrote that book is emotionally aware? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super aware, which, which is. Super aware. <laughs> it's scary though, right? To think. Yeah. That, so anytime, so a lot of times we think about things that we know, but we don't think about when we learned them. So if we think about how uh, we know that humans are affected by their environment, right? We definitely know that. We know if we put a great kid in a shitty environment, then that kid's future dwindles down year by year that that kid spends in that environment. But we don't think about when we learn this thing. and and that's the scary part because a lot of times when we look back to when we learned this thing, the things that were going on are, are in that time era. So if I'm looking at when we figured out environments affect the, the individual, we learned that in probably the 15, maybe 1400s, clearly by this slave book that was written. But we don't think about what that means because in the 15 the 14 and 1500s we were we were becoming pretty free individuals other than slavery like other than chattel slavery uh slavery based on race people were becoming more and more free so to think that as we were becoming more and more free and we understood these are all humans they deserve the right to be free we were understanding how to manipulate the world to make people do a certain thing so if we know that people were emotionally aware during slavery, like these white folks knew exactly what they were fucking doing, exactly what they were doing. Mm -hmm. There's no like, oh, it's the time. Like, no, <laughs> no. You know what humans are. 
and you know what it means to take a human and break them and turn them into exactly what you want them to be. So to know that people were doing that and to know that people were doing that and that idea never really left our, our conscious, that means that people are still doing that to this day with more and more power. If I think about the Koch brothers who I told you to check out, right? Or if yeah. I think about even the good people like um, Warren Buffett who donates a lot of his money and, and funds really good on surface social endeavors. Those are still things that, that people understand will manipulate others into doing what they want. And that's an emotional awareness that has existed for, for, for centuries. That reminds think, me of, go ahead. That's it, go ahead. Um, I was watching, uh, I don't, I think it was like a series, like a docu-series or something last week. Fuck, I don't remember what it was though. But it was about um, Ivan the Terrible from the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And um, basically he supposedly was a, uh, migrated here to the United States and then somebody found him and revealed his identity and then um, he was deported and they uh, a jury didn't convict him and then he was sent back to America and then this other detective like 15 years later was like fuck it I'm gonna dig this case up and we're gonna prosecute him here um, but that's case aside what you just said is people knew exactly what they were doing and um in the documentary someone says uh one of the detectives or somebody on the case basically says like how could human beings do this to other human beings and um and it said uh because some of this is my own thoughts but basically Yes, so Hitler, go back to the Holocaust, Hitler, of course, had a following. And then, um, oh, that's what they were saying in the documentary, is that Ivan the Terrible was from the Ukraine, and that he had no choice but to be this awful person and put everybody into the gas chamber and blah, 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 to save his own life. But, but without the people that are saying, oh my God, what about me? because that comes off as selfish, if you look at it at face value, if they weren't saying, what about me, they wouldn't be following Hitler, and then there wouldn't be this mass genocide because he wouldn't have any followers because they would be saying no. So there is a choice. Um, sometimes there isn't, like we just discussed, but there is also a choice. And yes, sometimes, um, and you never know how you're going to react in these situations, but sometimes there are uh, cases where you have to do it for survival, but how is your survival more superior than someone else's? And where does your mental health go when you're contributing to these negative societal, whatever could be happening, whether it's a Holocaust, slavery, um, uh, capitalism um, at a severe rate or whatever? are on a severe scale but like there is a choice and sometimes we choose ourselves and that is not being in my opinion that is the opposite of emotional awareness because you're choosing you but you're also not choosing 
all of you, you're just choosing to live. You're not choosing your mental health, your emotional health, the how you um, make other people feel or vice versa. Like, um, regardless of if he, it was a choice that he made. To